Thank you, Shay. Thank you, Kathy, for creating this space for us. So, yeah, it's an exciting evening. Karen and I are both passionate about seeing people walk into freedom, and we are expectant about tonight. I just want to start with a little awareness exercise. So, if you're comfortable, try and just get into a little bubble for yourself. You're not focusing on anybody next to you. Close your eyes and just relax. I'm going to ask you a few questions. So we are sensory beings. He created us with five senses. And we experience them through our senses as well. And so the thing about trauma is we can experience trauma. We experience it through our senses. And so just... Because tonight is about freedom. It's not about putting a focus on what has happened to you, but rather about him drawing you out of that space. And I know many people, when we did this exercise at the, the previous course we ran, they started off the evening and they said, none of us are in trauma. This is for us to help people around us. <laughs> yeah, he did come and laugh at us at the end of the session and apologized. But because of where we have been, in the nation and just globally, there is a lot of trauma and it's just about dusting off all the residual effects of it. So just close your eyes, invite Holy Spirit in and just ask him to put his finger on the area that he wants to minister to you in tonight. How is your heart feeling? Is your heart racing? What are the thoughts in your mind? Do you feel safe? Are you feeling triggered by something? Is there a sound that's taking you to a space where you have an emotional attachment but not necessarily a memory? Is there a smell creating the same sense? Maybe you feel anxious or nervous. Maybe you feel peaceful. That's amazing if you are. Is there a sensation that you've touched that will suddenly take you to a space where you have anxiety, but you don't know why? Or even a taste. So just let Holy Spirit put a spotlight on where he wants to draw you out of. And I'm just going to give you a moment to be in that space, and then we're going to start going through a little bit more material and there will be space at the end to process so just give him space to speak and highlight okay and get started with a little bit of the material we want to get through so the last two years has been an interesting season to navigate i'm sure you can all relate covid an invisible danger everybody on high alert all the time with no timeline of when it might end Constant uncertainty, lockdowns, lack of work, lack of connection. For many people, grief and loss. If you're somebody who feels atmospheres, the atmosphere was intense, fearful, very heavy. I remember going to the shops and everybody would run in and run out as quick as they could to get home so they could feel safe. And even in their houses, they didn't feel safe. I was listening to a podcast a couple of weeks ago and said there's a new term called post-COVID stress disorder. And part of it is a fear of socializing. Because for so long, we were told, don't go out, don't stay around other people, 
you might get sick, or worse, you might make somebody else sick. And the only way to heal is to get back to loving communities. Then, KwaZulu-Natal, the looting and the rioting. Again, fear and uncertainty rose up. People heard and saw things that were scary and overwhelming. Lynn and I went and prayer walked at that time, and we were just going to walk to the people on the streets. And I remember the one guy, I don't remember the details of what he said, but at the time I remember thinking, wow, I really didn't need to hear that because what he shared was quite overwhelming <laughs> and quite intense. And then Lynn in her wisdom just said, yes, but he needed to share. And I think that's where we're at. A lot of people just need to speak out what they've been through and need to process a bit. And then the floods. Again, fear, grief, entire communities were grieving. It felt like every second person you spoke to had watched people get washed away and lost people in the floods. So that's multiple traumatic events just in our little bubble and our little region. So it's a lot to process, and I think we often just step into the next thing and we move on and we don't take time to actually sit with God and see if he needs to heal trauma. So trauma is a normal emotional response to a negative event that has overwhelmed a person's senses and ability to cope. It's defined by the person so the same event can happen to multiple people and have a different impact. Not because different people are stronger than others. There's just a variety of things that affect it. It can be your support system, your perception, your worldview, but it's definitely not because you're weak. For trauma, to be considered trauma, the event is perceived as negative. It is sudden and unexpected, and there's a lack of control of the outcome. Trauma usually happens in the natural, but we are created spirit, soul, and body, and trauma affects all three. So we need to heal spirit, soul, and body. Trauma may teach us that emotions are not safe, that the world is not a safe place, that people cannot be trusted, that you are not loved, and it can affect your relationship with God. The enemy wants to keep us stuck, and he wants to stuck in the past and shut down our future. He wants to identify us by our pain and cause damage through the trauma, and then use a traumatic event to torment a person afterwards. So we want to get healed. We want to trust in God, who he says we are. There are physiological changes that occur in a traumatic event. A rush of adrenaline gives increased energy, raises our blood pressure, increases your breathing rate, sending more oxygen to your cells, and your amygdala shuts down your frontal lobe, so you decide fight, flight, or freeze. Trauma manifests through a variety of symptoms. As Lynn was making you aware of what you are feeling, um, it could also be through substance abuse, suicidal thoughts, depression, anxiety, hopelessness, interrupted sleep patterns, uh, intrusive memories or flashbacks, rage, anger, hypervigilance, headaches, stomach problems, chest pains, etc. Our ability to feel pain is actually a gift from God, and it can be used for our protection. Emotions give us important feedback, almost like a dashboard on a car where the light comes on, means there's something wrong, and you need to process. Pain has a voice. We often do whatever it takes to silence it or to make it heard. Pain affects our identity and our connections. If we feel vulnerable, we self-protect, we build walls, and we isolate. Our emotions and our words become weapons as we desperately try to make sense of things and to feel more in control. So we tend to avoid pain. Wherever possible, we want to encourage people in the presence of God to face the pain long enough that they can hand it over to him. God always comforts and transforms. If we only comfort people, we can leave them as victims. On the other side of healing is transformation. So we want to separate the trauma from the person so that they don't, it doesn't become their identity. And we want to always declare God's plans and purposes 
and speak life and truth. So as Lynn was saying, we're sensory beings, and trauma is stored as raw data. So it's um, fragments of how your five senses experience it. So often if somebody is sharing their story, it doesn't make sense, the timeline sounds disjointed, and that's because yeah, trauma is stored as raw data. There's a 72-hour window to help separate the fear and the shock from the memory of trauma. So if you're able to pray with somebody in that window, you want to break off trauma and fear and shock from the memory. So what do we do if Holy Spirit shows us something? We might see a movie over somebody's life of what their life has looked like. We might get a drop in our spirit of what they are walking through. What do we do with that information? Is anybody? Okay, so I think we always want to pause. We want to take it back to God. We don't want to run ahead of him. I always see it like that Jenga game where there's building blocks. So if we are trying to heal and we pull out a block before God is ready, the foundation is not going to be strong and the whole thing is going to collapse. But if God is removing, he's going to rebuild, polish up, restore, and make sure your foundation is strong. So we don't want to run ahead of him. We want to take it back to God. We want to ask him what key he's got for the other person's freedom so that we can help them. Any prophetic word that is making a person feel ashamed or exposed is not revealing the heart of God to the person. So I'm going to talk about listening because we don't just listen to people, but we also need to learn to listen to ourselves and the messages that our body sends us. And I think that that is a key. If people are starting to break down, it's because they're not listening to their bodies. And... Um, so God started speaking to me, and I know, Kathy, you've been speaking about lenses as well, but oh, I don't know, maybe three years ago, he said to me, you need a lens adjustment. So I was like, what are you talking about? And he reminded me that we have different glasses, so you might wear your dark glasses when you're outside, and it's to break, to um, filter out the, the brightness. But if you were to wear them inside, they're not as effective. But certain lenses become so comfortable that we forget that we're inside and we're still wearing dark glasses. Or we could have our reading glasses that work really well for up close, but then they trip us up if we're trying to walk because we can't see what's in front of us. And so lenses become so natural that we don't question them. And lenses are things that we apply to ourselves and to people that we look at, listen to, talk to. So he said to me, I remember having a laugh, my husband is a cyclist, and the best is the transition glasses. JP, you'll know about those. Because they cycle through lighter areas and darker areas, and the lenses will shift. So in the bright, they're dark, and then they adjust. In the forest, they go clear. And he said to me, you need to always live with a lens adjustment. Be willing to be challenged as how you see a situation, how you see a person, and how you see yourself. And then I studied even more about the ear. I did a course on um, a very specific theory, um, therapy that uses sound. And he started speaking to me about how we listen with lenses as well. And so what does listening with lenses sound like? So someone's telling us a story about a person who tripped and fell and broke their toe. And you're listening and you go, well, it wasn't that bad. I fell and I broke my leg. This is a very basic example. Or somebody who lost a parent. And then you sit and you go, well, that person lost their child. It wasn't that bad. 
So we filter every person's experience through our lenses. And the thing about listening, it's, it's, an active, it's an active process. It's not reliant on your hearing ability. Listening is active. Hearing is a physiological ability. And so we need to start shifting what we listen to and how we see things and respect that every person's journey is unique to who they are and what they've gone through. Because what do we do? We minimize their pain. And if we minimize their pain, we're saying it didn't really matter so just get on with it, and what do you do? We end up with volcanoes walking around. So that's why it's so important that this is part of identifying trigger points, because if you walk around minimizing your own pain, the next person that jumps the red robot in front of you, what will happen? Often there's an explosion. And the thing about a volcanic eruption is there's a fallout, multiple levels of fallout. So why do we need to become aware of this? Why do we need healing in these areas? Why do we need to shift how we hear and how we see things? Because we are a reflection of the Father. And so we carry hope. Our story carries an encouragement to those around us that they see there's something about them. Yes, they have acknowledged their pain. They have not hidden from it. Because the thing about pain is we resist pain. If you put your hand on a stove, what do you do? Immediately. So we do that with our emotions. So we find ways to dampen them and we don't listen or we repress. But if we create a space, as Karen's spoken about, with Holy Spirit to minister, then we can progress and we can continue walking. Even in our brokenness, we are still reflecting who he is because he is our hope in our brokenness. Who's been following Bill Johnson lately? Through his loss. He's teaching on hope at the moment. He's teaching on... He, he, he spoke the Sunday after his wife passed away. He has prayed for people who have been healed from cancer while she was fighting it. But what has his position been? He has been totally honest about his journey and his emotion. But he remains in the space of God is my anchor. I will hope. I will keep my eyes on him. Is he saying it doesn't hurt? He has been real and vulnerable. And that is why we reflect. Not because we walk around looking perfect. But in our hardship, we're able to say, I reflect his ability to hope. I reflect his courage to press through. Whenever clients come to me and they're resistant about continuing a journey, I always say, counseling is for the courageous. It's like looking at a mirror and seeing the most terrifying reflection that you don't want to deal with, but having the courage to say, I will continue. And so when it comes to things of, of emotions that feel overwhelming, my encouragement is to ask him, do I need a lens adjustment? Do I need to shift how I'm seeing the situation into what God is actually trying to show me? What is he wanting to heal in me? Is there a previous trauma? So some questions that I find really helpful is to listen to what you are saying to yourself in a situation or to what other people are saying. Karen came up with this incredible acronym called PARFISH. Just got to get there. And they are statements 
going to get there. With questions. So if you struggle to figure out what you are feeling. So remembering with trauma, there's a sense of powerlessness, and this just came from nowhere, because that's what happens with trauma. You don't expect it. And so therefore, you have to create a sense of feeling safe again, and you almost take back that territory of, okay, well, I don't feel safe in my car. In the game reserve, I feel safe in my car. The lions can't eat me. So when you hijacked, your car's no longer safe to you because your car's what they want. And so what we do is we go back and we recreate that sense of safety through ministry, but also about in your mind saying, it's okay to feel nervous first time you drive out in your car. It's okay. Holy Spirit is with me. You're recognizing all the time what you are feeling instead of going, no, I don't feel that. But you're sitting there going, okay, Holy Spirit, I feel this. Can you help me? And you invite him into that space. You invite him in as your counselor and your comforter. You invite him in. And you celebrate every kilometer that you drive. And you go, it's okay. I feel a little bit nervous. But we're getting there. I've made it three kilometers. And you celebrate every step of success. I call it creating a history of success. Because it's those moments that give us courage to face the next thing. And you go, well, I remember being terrified of getting into my car. But then I was able to do it. So you take back that space in your mind, and you take back that space in the spirit realm as well. Satan, you might want to intimidate me, but I know who I'm with. So in the space of powerfish, powerlessness. So that often comes from events where people have been restrained or trapped in some way. It is different from hopelessness in that the person can see a way out. The, sorry, they can't see a way out, a solution, and hope, but feel unable to get there. Again, this is often true at the time of the event. So, for example, a small child with an adult, what do they feel? Powerless. But if we don't heal in that area as an adult, we keep walking around feeling powerless because that is no longer true. But with people, we don't function from logical knowledge. We, we function from experience. And that is why our experience always has to be healed in him. So a statement related to powerlessness is, I'm too little to stop this or do anything. I'm trapped and I'm overwhelmed. Does it make sense? Then abandonment. When someone has memories of being forsaken, deserted, left alone and unprotected. This can be closely associated with fear lies because if the person feels alone, they feel unprotected. And a statement, one example of this lie is, no one ever cared about me. I'm all alone. They don't need me. How often do we function like that as adults? Fear. These lies tell us we are in danger. Also that sense of foreboding wherever you go. Something bad is about to happen to us or is about to happen. To, something bad has happened to us or is about to happen to us. Most of these lies start out being true. For example, when a person was abused as a child, but become untrue over time. The same child as an adult is no longer in danger from their abuser. But although this is logically true, it doesn't matter because the person acts out from the experience of the event. So a statement related to fear is, I'm going to die. Something bad is going to happen to me. They will hurt me or they will get me. 
So sometimes we're not aware of the thoughts that are going through our mind. So it's about saying, Holy Spirit, help me to recognize lies attached to previous experiences that you want to set me free from. And can you come in and speak your truth? Or can you come in and can you show me where you were in that moment? Karen and I also prayed with some of the people that had um, had to run for their lives during the floods. And the sounds, they explained to me, it was like the sound of waves, the biggest waves. So this is Moweni, crashing down and carrying boulders the size of buses. Now this is in the dock. And they had to run from their house to their neighbor's house. And then they didn't know if they would be safe in their neighbor's house because this water just kept coming. And when we prayed with them, I remember saying, can you ask Jesus to show you where he was? And it was incredible. And every single person, he came to them as a light. He was either covering them or he was leading them out. And the one person, we had, I had quite a few people booked that day. And the one man just wouldn't not leave my room because for the first time he had taken back his sense of safety. And for the first time in a week, he felt safe. And that is what Holy Spirit can do in a moment when we've had our sense of safety taken from us in a moment that we didn't choose, that we feel completely vulnerable in. But we can invite him in and he can show us where he was in that moment. He can bring freedom and truth to us in that moment. Invalidation. We all need invalidation. From childhood, this means that we are being valued for who we are. Invalidation is when we are not validated or are overtly devalued. You are no good. This lie is usually associated with others. I will never be loved because I'm a daughter and not a son. So a statement related to invalidation is, I'm worthless, I don't matter, I'm a burden, I could never please them. Then shame. This comes from doing something or causing something or participating in something that you believe to be wrong. So it goes with guilt and self-condemnation. It can be false shame. So even just by being at the event, a lot of people experience false shame. And or it could be something that you have done. So a, a fear statement related to shame is that it was my fault. I deserved it. I allowed it to happen. I must have wanted it. Many rape victims and people that have gone through child abuse. The problem is that the sensation for children has been a positive because we are physical beings. And so the association is, I liked it, so I must have wanted it or I must have deserved it. And so we need Holy Spirit to come in and speak truth about those deceptions. And then the last one, hopelessness. This lie says there is no hope or way out or solution to our situation and is linked to depression and despair and apathy. So the fear statement Associated with hopelessness is there is no way out. There is nothing I can do, and it will never get better. So the problem with not healing is unhelpful thoughts and negative emotions begin to feel normal, and we start to make decisions from a place of brokenness. Uh, 
Lynn shared a powerful quote from Jason Vallotton a few weeks ago. It says, heal so we don't have another generation of trauma passing itself off as culture. Mm. Heal so we don't have another generation of trauma passing itself off as culture. And that's what happens when we allow trauma-related emotions to become our everyday normal. While they are normal for a couple of weeks after the event, it shouldn't be normal for the rest of time. So the enemy will try to derail you and take you off course and draw you away from God. I'm going to share just a key that Holy Spirit and God showed me a few years ago when I was walking through some trauma of my own. One of the hardest things for me was connecting with God again, which seemed really strange because I'd been in a great place with him. But trauma changes you. You have to reevaluate how we think, what we believe, it affects our sense of security, our identity, and it tries to affect our destiny. At its most basic definition, spiritual warfare is fighting for truth, to know who you are, whose you are, and to know the fullness of God's love for you. So I really struggled to connect with God, and then he eventually showed me that my senses and everybody's senses in trauma are completely overwhelmed in the spiritual and the natural. So he led me to break trauma off each of my senses, and then to start with my weakest spiritual sense. And I think it was to show me that he was still speaking to me. It was just not in a way that I was used to. So I started to, one by one, go through the senses. I asked him to let me taste the sweetness of God's word, to smell the fragrance of Jesus, to hear the voice of God more clearly, to feel his tangible presence, and to see heavenly visions again. And it took hours, <laughs> but it was one of the most incredible encounters I've ever had that left me feeling free, loved, known, and connected to God again. And I feel that's really powerful for people that are walking through trauma, to actually go through one by one. I've done it with quite a few people, and I've seen the freedom in that space. You also want to release trauma from the body. It's often stored up in your cells and in your muscle memory, and you want to release it from the amygdala, where your trauma memory is stored. Use simple language. You don't have to overcomplicate it. You really want to just disconnect fear and shock and break off trauma. And then the other thing that I think is quite important is to sorry, just break soul ties with the land where the trauma happened or the place and with the trauma itself. And however Holy Spirit leads, he might show you some other things to do. So I'm going to – does anybody have questions before we continue? Any comments or questions? Yes, I think that um, breaking the, the trauma off individual senses is really a powerful point because you can break the trauma, you can you can encounter Jesus, but that little flashback of mm. hell or and and from, I think that's really an important point to actually maybe break down and, and make it clear for people how to do that. Yeah, I think really just follow Holy Spirit's lead. I mean, I think like I say for me. I just started with each sense. I re-sanctified it. I recommitted it to God. Um, I asked him to show me what, what I had smelt in that moment, what I had um, seen, what I had heard in that moment. And then one by one, he just started to do that and show it to me. And then I think just to really take time, like don't, don't put a clock on it. <laughs> I think just actually sit with Holy Spirit, sit with God, and let him just minister to you. So like I said, one by one, going through your senses and just um, asking him. So... Once you see one thing or you smell one thing, to ask for more. So you want to get all of your senses activated again and everything recommitted to God and recommitted to heaven. Yes, please. 
just feel prompted to share this testimony right now. Um, you know, it's really important that we just spend time with Jesus and we say, Jesus, show me the areas where trauma has arrested my heart or my senses. And I remember going through a time with Jesus where I just asked him those questions. And he said to me, break the trauma off your birth. And I thought that's a weird thing for him to ask me. Why? So I said, okay, well, break the trauma off your birth, almost just like nonchalant, like I've just done now. And the next moment, I started shaking uncontrollably, and I was pinned to the couch for 20 minutes that I couldn't move. And I realized when I went and then, then, then the freedom came. And when I went and asked my mom about that, she said I got stuck in the birth canal for 24 hours or something ridiculous. But the trauma in the birth led me into an adult life of being traumatized and not realizing that. So I, I really want to encourage you, you know, they've given us a lot of pointers tonight, and it's been amazing. But you may need to listen to this a few times to actually really work through it, because we get very used to trauma, and we get comfortable with making it lifestyle. And I love that quote. We don't want to bring through another culture, another another generation that see it as lifestyle for them. So he's just asking if um, after that time you had to go back and redeal with the trauma or if it was broken off in that time. Is that correct? Um, for me, I felt like it was completely broken off, but it could be different with different people. But in saying that, that was probably three years ago now. And a few weeks ago, just before we did the first trauma workshop, I was in the room that we were going to minister in. And God just asked me to go and lie face down, worshipping him. And as I did that, he just actually redeemed the space because I hadn't been able to do that. All I'd seen was demonic so much. So he just redeemed that space that I didn't even know I hadn't redeemed. So I can go back. <laughs> Does that make sense? So I, would, uh, so I always start with Holy Spirit because what I've seen counselling take, Holy Spirit does in an hour where I haven't been able to get in six months with clients, he does in an hour. So I would ask a friend who understands ministry process to partner with you. And then you just ask him to put his finger on something. You don't go digging because when you dig, other things come up. But you allow him because he leads us into truth and he leads us into freedom. And so if he is putting a spotlight on something, then you just go and you say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to speak truth into in this area? And you allow him to start speaking truth. We're going to do a, an activation now. And so for me, a big part of, of trauma is to just define and break down some concepts around it. But we're going to invite him in now. And we're going to lead you through an encounter with worship. And just let him lead you. So it's almost like a um, you're going to be with Holy Spirit right now. And when we did it at the last conference, we had multiple people come back and say, I cannot believe what he set me free from. Things that I had not recognized, things that I didn't even know I had that I was carrying. But my step is to, number one, pray with a friend that understands the process. Let Holy Spirit lead you. You need to feel safe and um, ask him to, to show you where he was and to replace the trauma with his peace. And, I mean, Karen had spoken about breaking soul ties with the place. Does it make sense, a little bit more sense? Any other comments or questions before we continue? Okay. 
So we're just going to get comfortable again. And if he put his finger on something for you that you know he wants to bring you into freedom in, number one is to connect with him. So I always say to my clients, if your mind was a garden, what would you want it to look like? Would you want to sit in it? Would you want to sit under the trees that you have planted in your mind? What are the thoughts going around in your mind? What are you telling yourself about who you are? And then find a space where you feel safe with him. So some people like to meet with him on the beach. Some like to climb a mountain with him. Some like to be in a garden. Some like to be on their bed in their room. I've even had somebody say to me, I like to walk through the city streets with him. There's no box, and you know where you feel safe with him. So I'm going to give you a moment to connect with him and find him. if you can look into his eyes and then ask him are you safe to go to that memory and let him answer you to understand what you're carrying sometimes it's a weight sometimes there's a heaviness that you feel sometimes you don't feel safe and if you are battling you cannot put your hand up somebody will come and pray with you is there a sensory experience that you want to give to him says that there's a divine exchange that happens if you read Isaiah and when we worship we are covered there's a covering that we come under and he takes the heaviness there's, an, there's joy for mourning so maybe you're still in a season of mourning but then what he also says is I will be with you in your mourning We rush things. He doesn't rush them. So if you need to invite him into a space of mourning, if you've had loss, can you ask him to be with you in your mourning? If you need to feel safe again, can you invite him into that space where you, 
felt violated or you didn't have, your safety was taken from you unexpectedly. Can you ask him to show you where he was in that moment? going to allow you to be in this space with him. Shay's going to continue with worship. He is your counselor. We are here if you need us to partner with you. But just be in his presence and let him lift off that heaviness. Let him create that exchange for you. And let him lead you 